I would say that the best way to mitigate any fear or anxiety or overwhelm that you feel about the work ahead of you is to build a plan and take action. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua, here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're answering the question, how do you know what God wants you to do? This episode will leave you with five questions that can help you to clarify God's vision for your ministry. Hey, John. Ty, good to see you. Top of the morning to you. It is well with my soul. <laughs> Be thou my vision. Um, Here I am, Lord. We, we sang that in at Mass this last Sunday. And remember when we were talking about how music can really bring people in and just like light people's souls on fire? Oh, yeah? Or it can really <laughs> diminish your experience. So, you know, it's funny you say that because we were on a little family vacation this last weekend and visited uh, St. John Newman Parish up in the cities, up in the Twin Cities. And I got to say, the the music they chose, now, and the debate goes two different ways. You got the ultra conservatives that are like, if it's not Gregorian chant, it doesn't belong there. You've got the libs who, you know, want to do with arms wide open by Creed, and they think that that's good enough. You know, but somewhere in the middle is a sweet spot, right? And and I, I think I live a little more there where I, I can go, I, I can appreciate it as long as it's done well. And so they had some, some music. I can't remember what it was. It was like an old 90s, like, Christian ballad is what they sang at some point. But it was done so well, and it, it just, it, it worked for my soul, man. It, it, it brought me up into the seventh heaven. It was a beautiful thing. I was worshiping at the altar of the Lord during that song. And, and I just got to say, I, when it's done well, mm-hmm. whether it's a little more traditional or whether it's a little more contemporary, either way, when it's done well, there, there, there's real beauty that's being conveyed there. Man, that's just a good thing. It's just a good thing for me. Yep. So, be thou my vision. <laughs> hey, we have we have some listener feedback, and th- this is actually an old review, but I, I think we forgot to to call them out or give them a little shout out. But this is from Bach Bach three two one, and they said it's great. This show, Catholic Ministry Professionals, it's great for anybody in the world of Catholic ministry. Oh. So Bach Bach three two one, we love you. Thank you for that five star review, and dear listeners, Catholic Ministry Professionals, if you would take a moment, give us an honest review, it helps us to let other people know about the show so that if it's a gift to you, it can be a gift to them as well. I feel like Bok Bok 321 deserves an ethel bug just for that. <laughs> just for that shout out. <laughs> well, reach out, Bok Bok 321. If you're listening to this, reach out. We'll, we'll try to get just something sweet for that great review. We appreciate it. <laughs> so this this topic today, you know, one of our regular statements is that, um, that if, peop- if you want people to follow you as you're seeking to lead in the parish, if you want them to follow them, you need to tell them where you're going and why. Uh, but as I was praying, as I was preparing for this episode, the thing that popped into my head that I felt we really needed to answer is, you know, it kind of begs that question of, what if I don't know where I'm going? <laughs> you know, we talk about uh, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, getting called out, but I have no idea where I'm going. Well, in that story, 
Philip does know where he's going. He just doesn't know what he's going to do when he gets there. And so there's there's this little element of how do we we figure out where we're going? And I just wanted to I wanted to offer five questions that I do believe if you if you kind of wrestle with these, you pray with them, spend time with them, these questions can help you to understand maybe where how God is calling you to respond, right? What is the vision that he has for your parish? The thing that he's calling you to, that he's inviting you to enter into. And so the five questions are, what does your gut tell you? What are the practical needs of those in your parish boundaries? What are the practical needs of your parish infrastructure? What are your God-given charisms? And are you making disciples? Those are the five questions we're going to break apart here. So should we dive in? Let's do it. Awesome. So what does your gut tell you? That first question. Uh, this is this is just kind of a more natural sense, right? If you're a person who has cultivated a habit of daily prayer, a habit of daily discernment in your life, you've probably developed some level of spiritual intuition. And I want to encourage you to to trust that, to listen to it. If you've been spiritually directed and for years, you know, you've you've been doing this job and you've developed a really robust interior life of prayer. I want you to kind of trust that and lean into to the the sense that you have inside your gut instinct for how God is calling you, right? And and you know one of the ways that that I think this naturally plays itself out is is what are the things that make you angry in the context of ministry, right? What are the the things that kind of frustrate you? Because just a little a primer on the role of anger in our lives, right? Anger is not it's an emotion. It's not evil in and of itself, right? Saint Paul says, "Be angry, but do not sin," and that's because Anger is is an is intended to drive us towards justice. And so if you've got these things that, that kind of irk you, that you know are getting in the way of the mission of the mission of Jesus Christ, they're gonna frustrate you, they're gonna make you angry. Um, on the other hand, though, if your anger is just driving you towards, you know, gossip or passive aggressive action, you need to check yourself, right? <laughs> so I, I think about, you know, this intuition. Um and how it played out in one of my roles in ministry. At my first job, I was working in the Catholic school I've, I've spoken about, and we spent several years developing a really robust retreat program. And what it allowed us to do is put all 700 plus students out on retreat on the same day. So there were a lot of moving pieces, took a lot of time to kind of transition into that program. Uh, but the main thing that we ran into that was really kind of a roadblock to good ministry, the main problem that we faced was that these retreats were required for the students. So the students resented being forced into them, which created um, this really natural kind of roadblock to this good ministry. And it it, it was something that I intuited um, as I helped to build the program even, but I never really voiced. It was something that bothered me, but I never really, I never really spoke it out. I didn't feel like I had that voice in my role. So as I left my program, it was something that always was in the back of my mind. And one of my reflections, as they told me, you know, write down all the notes, write down everything, what you see, what you were planning on, where you were going. And one of the pro- reflections that I wrote down was that the re- retreat program that we built, as good as it was, it would always fall short because, because there, was, there, there needed to be a deeper level of invitation into the spiritual life, not having it forced on you but being invited into it. And if we could build a retreat program that had that more optional um, flavor to it, some different rhythm of it, uh, it would bear better fruit than this program could. And so flash forward, you know, uh, two or three years after I was gone, a new, another new campus minister comes in, reads my note, and he calls me about it. Hey, can you tell me about this a little bit? 
And, and I was able to kind of explain to him, you know, this was always the thing that I, I kind of felt that was bubbling under the surface. I never felt free to say. Um, but he was right on the same page. He said, yeah, that I, I intuit the same thing. I, I really feel this. Um, I have the sensitivity to this. this is my gut instinct in ministry in this discernment is that we do that. So he was able to then take that and dismantle that program and use it to build something better, something different. And what they ended up building, they were able to build a retreat um, rhythm that would get 100, 150 students that were showing up optionally. You know, it was their choice. And that that just allowed them to have more impact than forcing all of the students to go against their will. And so, that, you know, that's just an example for me of like, sometimes we have this intuition of what we need to change, of the different um, emphasis, the different focus that we might need to have. And again, if you've if you've been trained, if you've spent a lot of time in the spiritual world, right, working in this with these um, spiritual elements of your job, you might have a really strong intuition of what God truly is calling to you. And you can trust that. I can't imagine forcing somebody to do something would make them resent it. Yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? What do I mean, we do? <laughs> well, it's that classic, you know, um, I, I feel for our Catholic schools, right? I have a great love for Catholic schools. Um, but it's tough because you have to, you have to prove you have to kind of prove the the pudding there, right? The proof is in the pudding. What am I trying to say? Prove the pudding. You, well, you have to yeah. you have to you have to prove that you've got something special, right? So you're you're tracking and logging service hours, you're tracking and logging retreat hours, things like that. That you can say, like, hey, we spend you know a, a thousand hours in service of the community every month or whatever it is. You know that our students provide this. It it becomes those things that they kind of have to use promotionally. So there there's a balance there. But again, yeah, it's it is tough when you're forced to do something and I'm, you know, exhibit A, if you tell me I have to do something, it's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> and it, it creates a real an automatic wall is put up as soon as I'm told I have to do something. Yeah, it's there's definitely a bitter aftertaste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and God forbid you tell Ethel what to do. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, question number two. What are the practical needs of those in your parish boundaries, and how have you responded to those needs? So again, this is a really practical discernment. What do the people in your community need? And, and you know, sometimes we get really excited about raising money for, for people in third world countries, putting in plumbing in a country that doesn't have running water, and those are very, very good things. I am not saying we should stop doing that. But sometimes we focus just on that. And then we're not taking care of the spiritual poverty or, or sometimes real poverty in our own community. And so, uh, you know, just some questions to kind of get, you know, our, our juices flowing on what may God be calling us to do in the context of our community? What needs are here that God might be calling me to step into and help fill? You know, are there people, for example, that want to go to Catholic school, but they can't afford it? You know, is, is is that an avenue that we need to pursue? Is there a way we can build up some kind of funding for that or, or tuitions or scholarship? You know, or do we do we have an entire subset of people in our community that just straight up aren't served? I think of communities that have a, a lot of refugees from another country and there's a serious language barrier. What can we do to serve those people? I think about the homebound, right? People like my grandma that can't go anywhere, right? And they just wait around for people to visit them. Do we have a significant portion of the elderly, of the sick that need to be visited? You know, people with different gender ideologies. Is that a reality in your community that needs to be addressed? 
Um, people with an unhealthy attachment to wealth. And I would say that this exists pretty much in every single um, every single church that's out there. Is There is a community within your community that is unhealthily attached to their wealth, right? They've, they've got enough money and that's what they're focused on, right? Um, how about those who are divorced, right? The, the widowed, the elderly, um, you know, those, those people who are lonely, right? A lot of these, by the way, are the, a lot of these issues, a lot of these subsets are mitigated, right? They're taken care of simply by forming authentic community around the sacraments. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be something that breaks the bank in order to do it. It's about fostering real communion with the people who are in your parish boundaries. So whatever the need is in your community or the, or the thing that keeps people from experiencing the love of Christ in your parish, um, just just destroy that roadblock so it can become a vehicle for, for conversion. It becomes a, a vehicle for engagement. Yep, I agree. Uh, <laughs> question number three, what are the actual needs of your parish infrastructure? Okay, so these are are the, the stumbling blocks in your day-to-day parish operations that impede the mission of Christ, okay? So these are things in the budget that need to be fixed, right? These are, um, if, if we're completely unfocused on the mission of the church, like all we do is focus on the day-to-day, but we don't have that longer view, right? Maybe we need to think about how we build in a regular process for coming up with goals and attaining them. You know, maybe, and this happens pretty regular, maybe there's an unhealthy dynamic between your Catholic school community and the greater parish community, right? The, the parish at large. Um, maybe you need to raise money to fix uh, something like the sound system. You know, are, are people turned off by the personalities on your staff, right? And this this happens sometimes too. Um, you know, whether, you know, maybe, maybe father's a little difficult on the weekends because he's so focused on the mass, but then he's biting people's heads off as they approach him, you know, right before he's about to walk in and, you know, do the whole the whole mass thing. Or maybe the front office lady, whenever she answers the phone, she's like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of, well, hey, welcome to St. So-and-so's parish. We're so happy to help you. And there's a smile on my face if you can't see it because I just love to help you. You know, whatever it might be, you can fix those things. Is your RCIA program empty and is it because everyone's Catholic or do you have some work to do? You know, again, thinking about those stumbling blocks in your day-to-day operations that you that if you can overcome them, if you can over if you can build around them, if you can find avenues forward, it will help the mission of Jesus. Um that f- then the fourth question would be what are your God-given charisms? And this is an excellent one to spend some time in prayer with. Right. If to, what are your charisms, and then does your ministry allow you to exercise those charisms? Do you get to use those in the context of your ministry? And the reason this is this is really important is because these are specific gifts that God has given you, so that you can help people to encounter His love. So you need to use them, whether you use them in the context of your ministry or not. You need to use them in your life, uh, because that is going to be your greatest asset for building the kingdom. So for me, I mean, I, I really think about this in my ministry. When I lean into my charisms, I've done some of those charism quizzes. When I lean into the, the charisms that I've been given, there is more fruit. And outside of even professional ministry, anytime I'm, I'm stepping in stuff, I, I experience that fruit too. So some of my charisms, my highest ones are administration. And this shows it's, in, it's head in the fact that I always focus on systems and processes. 
You know, how can I make budget fixes, right? Are there, are there breakdowns in communication and can I overcome those scheduling errors, things like that, that we're, that I, I love to fix those. And I find that when I do, it allows the entire parish to flourish. One of my other ones that was a huge surprise to me was the gift of helps. Like I, I, I operate as in a sense, in a loose sense, it's a divine enabler, right? I am most effective when I am propping other people up, right? That's the whole goal of this ministry. Like I'm really trying to lean into that, but it also shows itself in, in other charisms, right? I, I typically am flagged as having the charism of, of music, right? I love to lead worship. I really enjoy it, but there's something different. There's a different level of worship that happens when I'm given the opportunity to worship in a group and I'm not responsible for the sole leadership, but I'm able to prop that up. I'm able to use my charism of helps within that worship setting. So all of this to say that these are the gifts that God gave you when you were baptized, that he reinforced, right? He reconfirmed your confirmation, when you were given the gift of confirmation that are built up even more in you. They're the gifts that God gave you so that you can help people to encounter the love of God. And you need to use these, especially if you've been given this leadership position. You have kind of this platform, this, this um, you know, microphone opportunity to really do what God has, has given you the gift to do. And so a really simple starting point for discerning maybe what your charisms are is one to just Google a charisms quiz, you know, and then there's some free ones out there from different dioceses. Um, but the simple thing to do is just people who say to you, people might come up to you and they say, when you do this, I felt God. When you did this, uh, when you said this, uh, when you performed this, I could tell God was loving me in that moment. Or, you know, something along those lines. People really flag, like, you did this thing, and I experienced God. And that can be a really simple way, if you've heard that over and over and over again for this, whether it's intercessory prayer or, you know, there's there's so many other ones too. That's a good way to, to go, oh, maybe God, you, you need to have given me this gift, and now I want to use it. And you just take that to prayer. Think about how can I implement this into my ministry, to do this alongside people, to do this with people. And then the fifth question is, are you making disciples? And the reason we want to ask this is because this is the whole mission of the church. If nothing else, this is what God is calling you to do. This is his vision. This is his mission. And so you want to begin there. If you're not making disciples, start now. And, and every single person that's been baptized has been commissioned to go and make disciples. It's the one thing that you have every gift and grace that you need to accomplish it make disciples. And so there might be two ways that, that you hear this when, when I ask, are you making disciples? The one you might hear is, are you discerning a specific person or a group of people? And, and that's okay. Uh, I think that's great. Like maybe you're running a, a specific Bible study on the side with your friends. You know, obviously if you're a parent, you should be discipling your kids. This is another good way to fulfill it. Um, but the other thing is there might be a specific person that you need to call out and disciple. Right? Maybe you've got this prompting, the spiritual intuition we, we talked about above. You've got this kind of gut feeling you're supposed to reach out to this person. Um, or, you know, maybe if you've been discipling someone for a while, it's time to send them out. Right? They, they need to be fully activated and sent on mission. So there's a couple of things to think about within that. So you might hear, yes, dis- discipling a specific person. You might also hear, are your programs making disciples? 
That'd be the other way to think about this question. Are the youth, the adults, the people that you're forming, are they getting to a point where they're making a decision to repent and follow Jesus? If not, you're not discipling them, right? You're not following through on that great commission. So the good news is that you don't need to revamp everything in order to do this, right? You simply just, you need to call people to repentance. You need to call them into and give them something to respond yes or no to. And this this really, rarely ever happens, by the way. I think, I think back on all my formation and stuff, I think about on a lot of the formation I've done and the times that I just taught people to do something or this is what you do, this is what you don't do but never gave them that moment, right? Because I never wanted them to feel bad, like they're being judged by me. So, so I, really never, I really never followed up with a, a call to repentance, an opportunity to make themselves right with God, a, a lead into prayer. And of course, this is, this is a huge tragedy because at the end of their lives, they are going to be judged. And so I, we need to prepare them for that. So in order to just begin building this into your ministry, you don't have to do much more than think about this simple invitation to pray an act of contrition, right? Or maybe it's pairing the series that you're doing on, on morality with confessions that same night. In either case, it's an opportunity for people to encounter the reality of their sin and also their need for Jesus, right? This is what led, for, led to conversion for me, right? It was in preaching the name of Jesus and the teachings of the church. This led to a, a, real, a discovery of my need for Jesus because I was living in sin, and I needed to radically reorient my relationships in my life, whether it was dating or friendships, you name it. It all had to be made over because I encountered my sin and my need for Jesus to save me from it. So, however you hear this call to make disciples, you just got to go for it, right? <laughs> this is premature deployment, right? We got to pray on it, but then decide the next step and then invite people to come along. And see what God does with it. That's discipleship. Hmm. In a nutshell. Discipleship's tough. It's hard, man. So if you've never been in a, a leadership role, this can seem very, very foreign. So shout out to myself. Um, <laughs> I have a blog post called disciplesattheready.com. Go and check that out. I think we've shared one post on our Catholic ministry professionals um, blog post, but how, how often do you do you post? Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I but, I read all your stuff. Yeah, so there's there's different facets for me if we're talking about what you're talking, you know how how you you hear this like are you making disciples? So for me, it's when I on very few occasions, when I put out a blog post there without fail, somebody says, I needed this, you know, I, it's either I needed it because I didn't understand what the church taught on this, or I needed this as a reminder to really reinforce what my baptism in baptism and confirmation into the Catholic church meant. It wasn't just that I was you know, obligated to go to mass on certain days of the week and and feasts, right? It was to a higher call. So mm-hmm. now you're discipling me because now I need to actually publish a bunch of blog posts. Yeah, and it, and it's worth 
you know, there's there's the interplay of discipling versus evangelizing, and and they're so tied in with each other, and you you kind of need to be ready to do both. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it it's it's about sharing the love of Jesus, so that people can encounter Him, and be saved for their sins, so they can be with Him in heaven. You know, and that that's the process. Mm. So yeah, disciples at the ready. Dot com. Yep. It cost me money, so I should probably <laughs> utilize that domain name. Yeah, but you're investing in the future of the church. It's beautiful. Yeah, just <laughs> tendons of the flock, I guess. <laughs> should we? And, and on that note, <laughs> let's move on to Devil's Advocate. Ah, 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 dun, dun. Ah. John, when we go through all of this, I realize that it all needs to be fixed. There's so much to do. I don't feel like I have clarity on God's vision. I just, I just feel overwhelmed, and I don't know where to start. So, why, why, and how, how would I start? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I, I've got three things that pop in my head when you bring that up because we did bring this topic up as a way to bring clarity to what God is calling you to do. And you might feel like there's so much to do, and that is overwhelming. So, I'd say three things in response. First. Just let's look, take a little look at a little spiritual discernment 101. Um, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling afraid, right? You're feeling anxiety. Fear is not from God, right? Fear is not from God. So you want to pay attention to where this fear is from coming from, but you don't want to pay attention to or listen to the fear, right? You want to pay attention to the root of the fear so that you can dismiss it or you can mitigate it, right? You can deal with it. And, uh, you know, so are you afraid of failing? Is that why you're afraid? Are you, are you overwhelmed um, because you're afraid of disappointing someone? Are you afraid of overstepping your role, right? Really try to kind of suss out the root of this so that, again, you can dismiss it, you can mitigate it. Uh, but also probably, you know, somewhere in this conversation, there was, a, there was a moment of grace or a moment of peace, maybe a moment of excitement to get to work on something, right? Pay attention to that voice because... The devil speaks in fear, anxiety, right, those things. But, but God speaks in peace. He speaks in joy. He speaks in passion. And he often speaks to us very clearly in these ways. So if there was something specific that we talked about above or as we were going through those questions, something popped into your head and it kind of got you excited, you know, you had some peace with that thought, I, I'd start there with your planning. If you need to pick just one thing, I'd start there. And, and that's kind of a really simple discernment. Of course, you can always take it to your spiritual director. You could always follow up with your pastor and, and just have that conversation of, I feel like God is calling us to X, to blank, right? So that's the first thought I would say is just a little spiritual discernment 101. Take a deep breath, you know, really dismiss the voice of fear, but figure out where it's coming from. Um, the second thing I would say is that it is a lot of work. You know, you're, you're hired to do a really big job. Uh, but you don't need to do it all today. <laughs> you don't even need to do it all this year. And you certainly don't need to do it alone. You know, you've got a whole team, a whole staff that's there, hopefully. Um, you've got catechists who want to help you. You've got people who are deeply invested in your parish and the mission of Jesus Christ. And so a big part of this is going to be tapping them on the shoulder, right? Th- you know, having those next conversations. And that that leads me to the third point. There, That the best way... I would say that the best way to mitigate any fear or anxiety or overwhelm that you feel about the work ahead of you is to build a plan and take action. 
So you just want to take those big jobs. This is a Sister Catherine thing, by the way, when I was working at the Catholic school. I was really overwhelmed because we we're building this huge retreat program. And she said, John, you don't, don't worry about the whole thing. Just worry about the next thing that you need to do. And so you got to break those big jobs down into the specific conversations that you need to have, the specific to-do items that you're going to need to cross off your list in order to complete these bigger tasks. So you're just writing, you're just breaking them down into the small pieces that you need to accomplish. And then you can look at, okay, how do I need to schedule them in a way that actually allows you to get them done and to get them done in a timely manner. So don't think about it as these big things. Look at all the micro tasks that you can do that need to get done. And it's going to feel a lot less overwhelming when you've broken it down into those, those manageable pieces, those doable pieces. And if you want some tools to help you get that done, we, we have some tools that we provide on our website. But also, if you'd like, you can just email me the word resources to catholicminpros at gmail.com and I will send you those free tools and I'll give you a crash course on how to use them and get stuff done without burning yourself out. I really like the um, charism quiz. Maybe we can put together a charism quiz to send out or at least on our website they can download. Yeah, definitely. I like that idea. Yep, I should probably do that myself. You've never My, done one? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure at one point I did one, and it, it was just like, just stay home. That was my charism. <laughs> they're, they're tough because it's not... Some, some charisms feel a little quote-unquote sexier, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. some really cool charisms, like healing. Like you touch people, and they're, they're not sick anymore. It sounds really cool versus the charism of hospitality or, like, chastity. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, so there's just... It, they're kind of tough because there's a natural tendency to want to answer things the think the way that you think you should answer them instead of being very literal. Like it says, people tell me when I do this, they experience God. Well, I mean, I'm good at it. People tell me they like it, but nobody's ever said that, <laughs> you know, and so they're, they're kind of tough to take. Yeah. But, so uh, there's, I'm just looking it up here and there's administration, craftsmanship, creativity, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, giving, healing, hospitality, intercession, knowledge, leadership, piety, prophecy. I want prophecy. Uh, service, Saint teaching. Paul says to ask for the gift of prophecy. Wisdom and witness. Well, I'm asking right now. God Dude, the I've Father. Done it before. <laughs> I would like the gift of prophecy. See, man, I'm so prideful. Like, if God gave me any epic gifts like that, that's true. I'd, I'd start worshiping myself. He's yep. protecting me. He's trying to save my soul by not giving me those. Maybe I want knowledge instead of prophecy. I want knowledge, but I also don't want to end up like King David's son. Hmm. One hundred percent. I get that. Yeah. Anyways, that, that's, but that that is the downfall, right? They get really blessed. God really follows through for them. But then they start thinking, I did this. And that's where the devil gets you. Yeah. Let's move on to some actionable steps. And of course, we never want to leave you without something really practical that you can go and do today. And for this week, I just want you to take those five questions to prayer and and begin jotting down your answers to them. Um, Those five questions are, what does your gut tell you? What are the practical needs of your community? What are the practical needs of your parish? What are your charisms? 
and are you making disciples? And I believe if you if you take these five questions to prayer, do this for a week, I think you'll you'll be one lar- like big step closer to understanding how God is calling you to lead others and implement his vision in your parish. You're going to have a lot clearer understanding of some real needs that God is calling you to respond to in the parish that he's called you into leadership in. And and it's a great place to start for really clearly defining that vision statement um, and understanding God's vision for your parish. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard. Oh, did you want me to do the outro? Or? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead and do the outro. Well, I, you gave me that look like... I, no, I was. I, I didn't know if you had any thoughts. Sometimes you got thoughts, so I just pause I in case you. Anyways, okay. sorry. Can you just clip that and then paste it on the other? Absolutely end? not. Just get it. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Just not. so cut all that out. It didn't happen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals Podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor or a friend in Catholic Ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. Also. Give us some feedback. Submit an honest review on your podcast app or email us at catholicmenpros at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard. Hey!